Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 263rd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, and we are a week out away from the start of the 2023-2024 college basketball season one which means it's time for us to give our season preview for the upcoming year for carolina basketball one that is filled with a lot of uh hype anticipation and even expectation uh, despite not being the heavy favorite to win the acc or win the national championship so we're going to get you ready for the season by uh going over our three big storylines to look at going into the season, play a game of true or false, and then give our bold predictions at the end of the show. And um, I'm going to go out and say that I think all of ours are are rather bold, and um, they're, they're, they're the type of predictions that should have you excited to watch this team, hopefully for 40-some-odd games this upcoming season. Before we do any of that, though, we start every edition of of the pod with our pod thought of the day. And today we go to um, a P1 to the the show. Um, He also is a great, loving uh, husband and father. And you're asking, why am I giving him all Mm. these compliments? He's also my boss. So, you know, trying to do some of the little kiss butt things here to maybe work in an extra bonus at Christmas or... I'm off that I've uh, worked my tail off for here. We'll I think see. it's more possible that you messed up and you're just trying to cover your bases here. But sure, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's always an option. But 
He is Colin Hoggard. You hear him um, on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ on Charlotte Sports Today with Jeff Rickard. Um, and his and the, his quote is actually on the board inside our studio at the station. And the quote is, is every season is a journey. And we're about ready to start that journey a week from today. And, um, you know, he told me this during Hubert Davis's first year. Um, and he told me this last year. I like the, the first journey for the most part, albeit the final result losing the national championship game. Uh, last year's journey, kind of like the band, I hated the majority of it um, as Carolina really uh, floundered, if you will, all the way to oh, a 2013 season. So with that, now it's time to preview what is going to be the 114th season of Carolina basketball. The, the program's all-time record, 2,343 wins against 852 losses. I'm not a math major, but that works itself out to be a 733 winning percentage. The Carolina basketball program has won 41 regular season titles, 32 as a member of the esteemed Atlantic Coast Conference. They've won 26 conference tournament titles, 18 in the ACC. Carolina has made 52 NCAA tournaments. They've won six NCAA national championships, seven titles overall, and they have made an a they've made an NCAA record 21 Final Fours, which is you know when you look at all those great numbers, it's a big reason why. Uh, we confidently say that we are the best basketball program in the country because top to bottom, there isn't a, there really isn't a college basketball program that has had the type of su- su- sustained success that Carolina basketball has. But it hasn't always been pretty. Carolina coming off a 20 and 13 season a year ago where they failed to make the NCAA tournament. And as we've talked about really at nauseum, It really led to the mass overhaul of the program for Coach Davis. Opting to skip the NCAA or the 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 NIT tournament a year ago, they just completely missed the the NCAA one. Um, As as multiple players, including Caleb Love, Puff Johnson, Dontre Styles, Tyler Nickel, Demarco Dunn, Will Shaver, and Justin McCoy, exited the program. But Carolina reloaded, bringing in Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan, Paxson Wojcik, James Oconquo, Jalen Withers out of the transfer portal and brought in a highly regarded freshman, Elliot Cadeau, um, to be a point guard for the team, as well as Zayden High to be a front court member for the team entering the 2023-2024 season. And now since you've got a, a snapshot of the program's history, what the program did last year and the summer that Carolina basketball had, let's let's transition to our top three storylines for the upcoming season. And the first one doesn't even really involve what's going to happen on the court. We'll get to that in just a second. But um, and, and Anthony, feel free to tell me if this is fair or foul to talk about this. But, you know, I think the first thing that was going to be talked about is the, the, the job security of Hubert Davis. Um, because when you miss the NCAA tournament at Carolina, uh, for the most part, if you're a relatively young head coach, you're going to enter the next year on the hot seat. Um, and I've, I've said it multiple times this summer. I sound like a broken record. The last guy to miss back-to-back NCAA tournaments lost his job, and that was Matt Doherty. That led to the program hiring Roy Williams. And, you know, we all know the success he had during his, you know, 15-plus years on the bench as Carolina basketball's 
head coach. And I want to start off by saying it's not in the best interest that Carolina fires Hubert Davis. Um, I'm not advocating for him to, you know, be squarely on the hot seat entering this season, um, even though I fired the man during his first season as a head coach at the collegiate level. But I do think with the type of year that Carolina had last year. And it, it's not fair to take away the, the the NCAA tournament run in year one. But before the win at Duke, it wasn't like everything was off to the smoothest of starts for Hubert Davis. Um, I, I do think his job security, if the season goes sideways like it did a year ago, is something that will be called into question uh, throughout this upcoming year. Oh, I mean, it's certainly fair. I mean, as you brought up, you know, with, with Matt Doherty, you know, there's a history of Carolina when they're in situations like this. Um, they 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 will make that hard decision, especially when you've got guys that are in the family. And I and, and I know, you know, it, it really wouldn't be that much different from when they hired Huber, but it would still be three extra years of time for guys like Wes Miller, Jerry Stackhouse. Um, those types of guys to get more experience and maybe have you feeling a little bit better about potentially hiring one of those guys if you chose to make that decision. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, with Hubert Davis, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting case because, I mean, Coach Doherty, he, he did not take Carolina to a the, the brink of a national title in his first season um, as the team's head coach. Um, and the thing about Coach Doherty, too, was and probably one of the reasons why for Carolina it was a little bit easier to make that move back then was that he had been a head coach before coming to Carolina. So there wasn't that the, the element that you have to take into account with Huber Davis that this is his first ever head coaching job. Um, you know, yeah, he coached the JV team at one point. Nobody's going to pretend like that's the same thing as coaching at the most prestigious basketball uh, program in the entire country. So, you know, it's it's weird because, yeah, as you said, you know, that first year didn't get off to the greatest start. But the thing is, is that, yeah, even though it didn't get off to the greatest start, you can't take away the fact that he was able to lead that team on the run that they were able to make. Um, I know a lot of people have tried to do that. That's been the argument that we've had to deal with from a lot of people that uh, are on that bandwagon of moving on from Hubert Davis. Uh, but I mean, it's really, really difficult to get to the final four, let alone get to the national championship game. And I know, you know, Carolina, we're kind of spoiled with how much success we've had in doing that um, in just about each and every decade of the program's existence. But it's still it's it's not an easy task and you can't take it for granted. So, yeah, last year was horrible. Now you're kind of in a spot where you do feel a little bit uncertain. And, yeah, if, if they miss the tournament for a second straight year, this is what we're going to be talking about, um, you know, for probably a few weeks afterwards. And, you know, look, if he doesn't, if, if they end up keeping him, it's going to be a season full of he is firmly on the hot seat. He absolutely has to win. Um, this year, I, I think, yeah, there's a slight bit of pressure on him. But I, I do think that just from seeing him talk in, you know, a, a lot of these interviews, hearing him talk at, at live action, um, it feels like he, he really – likes where this team is at where 
last year, I feel like there were times where he said some things that were noteworthy about the mindset of his team, about handling pressure and everything like that. It didn't feel like this year where it, it, I, I genuinely feel like he believes this year's team has a chance to be really, really good. And I think, you know, we got a chance to see in, in the exhibition that this is a team that is is on the brink of being a really, really good team. Um, I, I think, you know, if that ends up coming to fruition, all, all of this talk that we're having right here will be completely gone by the time that we're sitting here next year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is I've taken away as someone that – listens to every word that he says and dissects the body language in which he talks about his team, he's comfortable. Um, this was a guy that I don't think his first year was ever quite comfortable in his own shoes, um, despite him telling you over and over that he was. And last year, I don't think he was necessarily prepared to lead the type of team on the type of year they were expected to have, um, which is – expected because not many second year head coaches are tasked with winning a national championship. It, it just it just doesn't happen that way in in in, in, in college athletics. And so um like I said, it's not in the best interest that Carolina moves on to fire him. Um because it would mean that there's another, you know, uh disruption within the family. And we've all we we we've all seen how, you know, the, the family being broken apart wasn't all what is is not a great thing. Um and so the best thing for him to do is to win and win at a high level to really make this a non a non-talking point. And I think the thing is is that the team and the program is set up and equipped to do just that. Now let's get to the on the court stuff. Um because this is going to be I this is going to be I think an emotional year for Carolina basketball fans cuz we know no matter what this is the last year we're going to see Armando Baycott play um in the Carolina Blue. He you know come back came back for a super senior season um and, and barring you know an injury and a waiver there's no way we'll see him back for another season at Carolina. And it's not just him that this could be his last year. It could also be R.J. Davis's last year in Chapel Hill. He, of course, will have the right to use his super senior season if he wants to come back um, and play a fifth year of college basketball. And, and not to take any way or take anything away from these guys um, when I say this, I don't think upon their arrival, we I, I never thought I would be as emotionally attached to Baycott. And for me, R.J. Davis as much as I am. But I think that's where I, as a fan, potentially you as a fan, and then the fan base have really, you know, that's really where we've grown to. Mondo Baycott's the most decorated rebounder of the history of this program. This is a guy that said on national television he's willing to die for the university because how much it means for him. He's got the foot tattoo on his wrist. You know, he had a hairstyle that resembled Ramsey's uh, horns at, 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 to the start of the year last year. And then R.J. Davis really embodies everything we want to see in a Carolina basketball player. He got the tough little nut moniker under Coach Williams during his freshman season. Um, and he's a guy that we know loves to compete and loves to play at the University of North Carolina. And their senior nights, when it happens, you know, against Notre Dame in March, 
I think it's going to be up there for us generation of Carolina basketball fans for, I mean, it's not going to be quite like Tyler Hansborough senior night, but it's going to be up there with Marcus Pages, Joel Berry's, um, Bryce Johnson's, Luke Mays, Cam Johnson's. And I don't think upon those two dudes arrival, we ever would talk about them that glowingly, but you know, we're, we're about to witness the last season of Armando Baycott at Carolina and potentially the last season of RJ Davis. And I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared to see Carolina basketball without those two dudes on it. It's definitely going to be weird. And I think, you know, part of the connection to these guys is that, you know, it's they they went through not only a difficult, you know, I, I mean, it's it wasn't a difficult time for the program, but they went through a transition of the program and they went through a difficult time um, with this with this program just in the world. Like, you got to remember, these are guys that were here during COVID um, and had to go through everything that they've been through. I mean, they've been through the highest of highs by making it as close as they did to winning a national championship when nobody expected that team to make that type of run uh, to the lowest of lows, you know, having uh, the team, you know, miss the tournament last year. Uh, they were probably going to miss it back in, in 2020 before the pandemic cancels uh, the NCAA tournament. Um, and they, you know, see, uh, Coach Williams leave. They see Coach Davis take over, um, and they you know deal with that transition and everything like that. And yeah, as you mentioned, you know, especially you know at this point for Armando, I mean Armando has just been here so long that it feels like he is just a fabric of what this team has been uh, for the better part of the last decade. And it's and it's the truth. Um, and you know for for him, I think you know the other thing he's been through so much here. At Carolina, all the different ankle problems that he's dealt with, um, you know, on top of, of being, you know, one of the better players in the country. Um, and, and I think it's just it's given people an emotional attachment to him. And then you add in all the stuff that, as you mentioned, um, he, he said about the university and how much it matters to him. Um, and to see somebody like that is special. I mean, we've seen, you know, guys that really show it with their play. And there are other guys that have vocalized how much the university means to them. But last year, it was the first hearing someone say they would die for the university. We have never heard a player say that um, in any of the sports. And there are some that are incredibly connected to the university, a la Aaron Madsen. Um, you know, there, there are a couple other ones throughout the sports uh, that are extremely connected. So to hear that from an athlete and and really feel like he is – like you, where it feels like in, in a lot of people's minds, and we feel the same way, that we kind of live and die by what our teams do. And it it, it hurts us deeply any time that the team loses. Uh, it feels, you know, so good and can really lift our spirits whenever the team wins is amazing. And then, you know, R.J. Davis, I think R.J. Davis is just another one of those those guards and now we can officially say a point guard because Caleb Love uh, is gone and that's the position that he's going to pr play primarily this year for Carolina he's just one of those guys that fits that mold of a hard-working tough-nosed point guard that you know gets better and better every single year and that you know plays with the type of mentality that just that just connects you to him um, it, it, it's, it's a guy that is laying it all out on the line 
And if it, 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 those are the types of players that we respect the most because you can't really ask much more from those types of guys. And, yeah, it helps that he's got the talent as well that allows him to be as good of a player as he is. But when you're seeing a guy that just gives 100% effort every night, and I think, look, if anybody questioned that, well, first of all, I don't think you really watched him in the first few years of his career. But if you were really needing any sort of justification, last year was it. Because that dude showed up and played every single game like it was his last, no matter what. There were times where other guys seemed like they were going through the motions or that, you know, everything that happened a year ago sort of got to him. Not R.J. Davis. And that's why for those two guys, it's going to be incredibly special to watch the rest of this season. Then, of course, when they get honored on senior night, and it's going to be emotional no matter what happens whenever you know th- this team makes their exit out of the NCAA tournament or ultimately, as we hope, is cutting down the nets at the end of the season because these guys really are just that special and, and kick off this decade, um, you know, the, 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 the guys that we will remember from the 2020s. It'll be those two guys that'll be the first names we think of. It's why I, I, I always hope and pray that Carolina operates – in the modern world, the way that it operates now, which is we want to get old and stay old because, you know, and look, I love talent as much as anybody. I, I, I get geeked, you know, looking at the potential that Elliot Cadeau possesses. I understand that he's going to be here one year, maybe two. I never, there's not a part of me that's ever looked at my program and thought I wanted to be ran like Duke, Kentucky, not Kansas to a certain degree where, I'm overturning my roster year after year. I want to get to know my players so I can love my players and appreciate my players. And the, and yeah, the point yeah. Of and, and like, here's the thing we've seen it with transfers and we've seen it with freshmen too. It doesn't mean that if you, you, you have to be here three or four years, like Brady Mannix, a legend, we'll, we'll always be connected to him. Um, uh, you know, another one that comes to mind is, is Kobe White. But you're right. Those guys that stay for so many years, it's just it's it's a different feeling with those types of players. Yeah, and the, and the point about COVID, I thought was spot on because you know it was during a time where we were all just going through basically crap, um, and and those those kids were there to rescue us for two hours to make us forget about the state of the world that was in um, and, and, you know, remind us really, you know, that there's, there's something to look forward to every time you turn on a Carolina basketball game. Um, And I I do think that that as much as, as much as anything does play a role in, in the way that we feel about those guys, because it wasn't a great team. It was, it was the team that earned Roy Williams' his first first-round exit in the NCAA tournament. But yet those guys were there to save us 30-some-odd nights throughout a time of the year where we all needed to be saved, um, you know, for, for a few hours. The last thing we got to talk about, the last storyline, if you will, um, is Carolina's, you know, decision to reload via the transfer portal and really did they get it right and you know with the transfer portal basically being free agency it's kind of like when you talk about your your pro teams talking about they make the right acquisitions on the free agent market i think that as much as anything is going to make or break this season for carolina um i think if they hit on the ones that i think you really needed them to hit on primarily 
I think the two names will stand out would be Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan, the third being Paxton Wojcik. If Carolina hit on them, I think they're in a really good spot to turn this thing around and really compete uh, in the ACC and to compete nationally. If they didn't hit on them, then there's no denying that what happened last year is definitely on the table. Um, Because I'm not going to go as far to say 14 and 19 when you brought in Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce is on the table. But I I think, I think that's, that's, that's college basketball. Now this is going to be the talking point really every single year because Carolina is going to have to add key pieces moving forward you would imagine through the portal mm-hmm. uh, and and whether that's good for the game bad for the game i don't know i think for me being a traditionalist um i've been very open to the changes because it did allow me to fall in love with a guy like brady man it can have that emotional connection um uh, with the guy that beforehand i would have never thought i'd have had any connection to but on the flip side if you miss you have me screaming about you know uh you know, Justin Pierce, Christian Keeling, like I did at different times during their year. Pete Nance, I, I, I feel like I was, you know, for the most part pretty fair too because I thought he was misused. But that's just where we are right now. And, and I, I think, you know, if, if Carolina did this right, like they did with Brady Manick, I think they're set up to be a really good basketball team. If they misevaluated and they missed, and we got to talk about the guys that they maybe should have went after that they didn't, I think we could be in store for another uneven basketball season in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's definitely, I, I guess in some people's minds, it's probably a concern. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think there's any way that you're missing on all of these guys or even really the majority. I just, I've seen too much of Cormac Ryan to really believe that he's not going to be a good player. Um, now, now the thing is, is I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to become an all-time favorite. I don't know about that. I don't know that that's guaranteed. But I think we know that they've got a couple of guys in him and Harrison Ingram that are going to be at least very solid players for this team. And I think, you know, Jalen Withers, I think, has that potential too. I think the biggest question mark in a lot of people's minds is probably Paxton Wojcik. And that's because of some of the guys that you have mentioned before or that you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce, guys that Carolina took from the, you know, the the uh, non-power conference ranks and just weren't able to have a lot of success with. Um, I think for him, you know, he's going to fit his role pretty well. And I think the, the, you know, the biggest thing is that, hey, you're already seeing the, the, a sign that he is off to a pretty good start with the fact that he is probably going to end up being a starter for this team right out of the gate. Um, but I think, you know, the other thing, too, is, is I, even if some of these guys don't hit, I think Carolina does have the depth around this roster to be able to make it work. But ultimately – when you rebuild the roster the way that Carolina did with five different transfers, yeah, you you, you kind of need some of these guys to work out. Um, I I think it's in terms of what what I think ultimately about it. I mean, look, I I, I don't necessarily hate it because at this point, I guess I've just accepted it. Um, and we've seen it, you know, really in, in both of the major sports where 
teams can completely overhaul their roster. And I'm going to tell you, you know, if you maybe didn't like it as a Tar Heel fan this past year in the transfer portal on, on, on the football side of things, okay, maybe you can make that argument. Although I'll, I'll tell you, the guys that have come in have been pretty productive for Carolina. I'm going to tell you right now, if Carolina was not able to use the transfer portal uh, with the roster that they had from this past year in, in basketball and completely retool this thing, who knows what this thing actually looks like. Like, I, I, I mean, I think they needed to be aggressive, and I like the fact that they went out and got these guys. And I think, you know, they, they've set themselves up to be pretty freaking good because of these guys. So we'll see. I, I think it is a big determining factor. But as I said, I would be pretty shocked if these guys – if this team fails because of the transfers that they brought in. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I I think I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about the talent that Carolina brought in through the transfer portal. The concern is, does it fit? I because I thought Pete Nance, talent wise, was there for Carolina a year ago, but I don't think he fit the way that. Uh, he was 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 thought upon fitting into the roster, and I don't think he was utilized the right way. Okay. So I, the only <laughs> thing I would ask you, because we talked about, we did talk about it a little bit last year, but I think we just kind of pushed it off to the side because we read into his stats a little bit too much. He was a guy that was a a, a modern day five that Carolina was trying to force to be into a force into being a stretch four. Do you feel like there's anybody on the roster they're really doing that, like trying to force a position? Because I don't, I don't really think so. I think everybody they kind of have a spot that fits them almost perfectly. I don't know if Harrison Ingram is a natural four, or which means a power forward. I don't know if he's a natural at that, but I think he can play it if if Carolina can really defend and rebound on the perimeter with a three-guard lineup. Outside of that, no, because there's better depth here. So I don't think you're going to ask Jalen Withers to do something that he can't do. Mm-hmm. Cormac Ryan and Paxson Wojcik have played basketball so much, they know who they are, they know what they can and cannot do. And so I think is if the pieces around Ingram fits, he's really the only one that maybe, quote-unquote, is playing out of position from a number standpoint and the way you theoretically think about a basketball lineup, but in today's basketball, with the way that Carolina is really morphing into, yes, wanting to play the Carolina way fast or hard, smart together with the secondary break, but they also want to be more perimeter-oriented to create its offense. I do think that the pieces, on paper at least, do fit a lot better than they did a year ago, Um, and definitely more so when Carolina really missed in the portal when they brought in Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling. So um, now let's let's have some fun. Let's play a game Finally. Of true or false. Um, I've got, I think it's five questions here that I'll ask you first. If you, I'll ask you true or false first, and I'll give uh, my opinion on the back end. Um, and we'll we'll start with this. We we broke down Carolina's non-conference schedule earlier this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I've stated it's as difficult a non-conference season that. Uh, that Carolina has played in my lifetime. So true or false, the Tar Heels will win a double-digit number of games in the non-conference portion of the 
24 season? Who man. Um I I will I will say true. I I really do think that this team is is built to have success right out of the gate. And don't get me wrong, it's an extremely tough schedule. I do think there are going to be some losses there early on. But I think this team has what it takes to make a deep run in the battle for Atlantis. Um, I know, you know, look, Northern Iowa, that's one that people are going to say, look, and remember the last time that Carolina played them. Um, Villanova and and Texas Tech. Um, I know a lot of people, every time that I've heard that, that potential matchup be brought up, everybody says, well, you know, those are two teams that have been successful recently. They have been. Did you see them last year? Like, I, I, st- I, I think Carolina – has a chance to beat both of those teams, whichever one of those teams they end up facing. So I think they can make a deep run there. Um, Kentucky, I don't think, is a, a a perfect team by any stretch. I mean, they really got hot towards the end of last year. Um, it's still Kentucky, so there is a, a, a decent amount of overhaul to their roster. So, I mean, I think Carolina's got a good shot to win double-digit games in the non-conference. I'd, I'd have to go with True. I went True as well because I think Carolina, bare minimum, gets two wins when they go to the battle for Atlanta. I know Tennessee. Um, it's a different low Tennessee team for Rick Barnes. They're going to be a little bit more uh, – they have a little bit more offensive firepower than what we've seen. That game's at home. It's in Chapel Hill. I like Carolina there. Um, you know, Kentucky neutral court, it's going to be in Atlanta, but this isn't vintage Kentucky. Um, you get Oklahoma neutral court in Charlotte. I think Carolina better than Oklahoma. It'll be a de facto home game. You know, the really one non-conference game I look at and say, that's probably going to be an L definitely is going to be UConn in the garden in the Jimmy V class. Yeah. Outside of that, I think virtually every non-conference big game that Carolina will have is going to be very much, it's going to be very winnable. I think even more so winnable than a year ago when Carolina had another loaded schedule, um, just because the way the travel, you know, the way the travel figures out this year, um, I think Carolina won't be as you know exhausted when they come back from certain road trips. So I do think they are in a position to get double digit wins in the non-con season. Now let's move on to the next true/false question. I mentioned you got Tennessee at home. Of course, we we went over the ACC home slate that features, and you got to host Duke and some other big-time ACC teams. True or false, the Tar Heels go unbeaten um, at home at the Smith Center this year. Ooh. Um, mm. I really really do want to say true, but – I mean, you got you, you you got Duke, of course, that you have to play at home. Miami at home. Those are probably the two games that I would be most worried about on the schedule. Um, do I do I do I do it? I, I I'm gonna say no. I'm going to say false. I'm I'm going to say Miami is the one that they end up losing at home. I just I just think it's so tough to go undefeated at home. Um, you know, I I think if you don't if you don't have Miami there, I think you probably could do it cuz I do think that they will split with Duke. 
Um, and I would I would say I, I think we win in the Smith Center and then probably lose on the road there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, I just, I, I can't do it. I, I think, I think Miami, especially that late in the season when they're starting around into form, I think they're probably the one that gets Carolina. I'm going to go true because I think for guys like Armando, Armando Baycott and RJ Davis, if this is indeed their final uh, season in Chapel Hill, they want to defend that home court. And I think something that we, we, we've talked about it in the moment Carolina's lost some really big games at home um, under Hubert Davis so far. They've won, they've won quite a bit, but I mean, you're zero and two at home against Duke under Hubert Davis. You, you know, you've lost back-to-back games at home to Pittsburgh the last couple of years. I think there's going to be a a reinforced uh, attitude and mindset to protect home court because basically, if Carolina would have protected home court better the last couple of years. They wouldn't have been on the bubble both times, and they would have been in better standing for the NCAA tournament. The same thing applies this year. Moving on, true or false question number three. Carolina finishes top three in the ACC. I will say uh, that will definitely be true. Um, I don't really see how there is any other any way you would say differently. I really do think, and maybe – Again, maybe I'm buying too much into the exhibition and what, and and maybe a little bit of what we saw in the live action scrimmage. I think this team looks hungry. I think this team looks together. Um, I, I just I, I feel like this is a team that has everything that you need. They've got you know some veterans that I think are going to give them the experience that they need. As I mentioned to weather the storm in the non-conference, but also weather the storm uh, early in conference play. Um, And I I love the depth of this team. I I love some of the younger guys, the options that they have there. Of course, Elliot Cadeau. Uh, We talked, you know, at at length after, you know, both times that we've seen this team play so far here in the preseason about Zayden High and what we think that he can bring to this team. Uh, And, and, you know, I I just – to me, I, I think this is a team that is positioning itself very well to be, you know, right in the thick of the ACC regular season title hunt. I think they'll finish second. I think, you know, I hate to say it, but I do think Duke is probably the team that ends up winning the conference. I think they probably end up finishing second. Um, but I do think, you know, they're a better team than Virginia. I don't. I honestly, I do not get the hype with Virginia. Maybe it's that people think Tony Bennett is just that good of a coach. I don't really understand how people think their roster is that great. They have not utilized the transfer portal really at all. Some of the guys that they brought in are kind of head scratching. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why uh, they would even waste their time bringing some of those guys in. Um, And then Miami, you know, the thing I question with Miami is what I think Carolina has a lot of, and that's depth. Um, they lost so many guys from a year ago. They're now having, you know, some of those guys that were depth options last year that I think are good players that'll step into those starting roles. But I think it makes that team a little bit thin this year. I just, I, I mean, I, I there's so much to like about this Carolina team. So to me, it's not even a question. That is true that Carolina finishes in the top three in the ACC. Yeah, I said uh, I'll go true as well. They're picked to finish third in the ACC. 
We'll have to wait a little bit later in our bowl predictions to figure out where to find out where I have Carolina finishing for the upcoming season. For a false question, number four, the Tar Heels win the ACC tournament. Oh, man. Uh, so, so here's the thing. Does it should this answer be what I think happens, or should this answer be what I want to have happen? Because clearly the answer is would be false if it's what I want to have happen. Because that has always been a thing that Carolina does not win the ACC tournament if they're going to win a national championship, at least under Roy Williams. So, um, I I mean it's honestly I mean this one's incredibly tough because you're projecting so far ahead. Um, but I think you know, as 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 the as the two seed, I I think I think true. I'll go true. I think Carolina makes that run and and uh, is is able to get uh, an ACC tournament title because I think it might be just what they need uh, to be able to solidify a pretty high seed for themselves. I went false. Um, I do think not to say that Roy Williams didn't uh, value the ACC tournament. But I think for Hubert Davis having played in the AC term, there's going to be a bigger emphasis on it in this day and age where, um, you know, as you mentioned, Roy Williams won three national championships. He never won an ACC tournament in the year they won a national championship. Um, there wasn't as there was not as big an emphasis on it as there was in the old days. I think the emphasis is going to be higher and I think Carolina is built to do it, but it's tough to say that Duke program they know how to they know how to win you know three games in three days better than just about anybody else in college basketball. Um, so I don't think Carolina will win the ACC tournament. Lastly, given off basically where we had the some of the the previous ones, true or false, and this has to be in there given what happened last year, the Tar Heels return to the NCAA tournament. Oh man, true. I mean, true. I've never heard a truer statement. I, I I, mean, look, I said that I didn't think it was much of a question that they finished top three in the ACC. I, I, I mean, I'll go I'll go Mad Dog Russo. If, the, if this team does not make the NCAA tournament, I will quit this podcast. Ashton would love to hear that. So There is, there is absolutely the no way this team is missing the NCAA tournament the way that they are built right now i just i just can't see it so i'll go true i'm gonna go true as well you threatened retirement um or i guess quitting is is a better way i don't know i don't know mentally physically emotionally if i can handle not making the tournament back-to-back years are you threatening possible uh mental health facility um, you know, I mean, I mean, like, I, I don't want, I don't want to joke about passing away, but it, it, it would be, it would be the death of me if this team misses the tournament back to back years. I mean, like, we all know what it did to me last year, um, what, what it did to me after the Tar Heels won the national title in two thousand nine, missing the tournament the next year. Yeah, you're not in great health, honestly. You know, it was, it was the beginning of the downfall of my sleep habits. Um, if COVID would have never came through and 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 knocked the tournament out completely, you know that would have been a, a, a that was a rough year. So um, true. There's 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 no way. Um, the, the, like you mentioned, the team, the, this 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 team is built for the tournament. And, and frankly, 
I, I think this this team just cares more than this team cared at all last year. They competed more the other night against a Division II school from the CIAA than they did at any point last year in big ACC games. And I'm not I'm not overstating my bounds because I watch that. That's one thing I look for. Um, and, and so the only way that Carolina misses a tournament this year is really if the NCAA tournament committee has a comp- has a conspiracy to keep the ACC teams out because they just no longer care about the greatest basketball conference in uh, in, in college basketball. Now, now to the really the fun, the more interesting stuff, because we'll be able to look back on this and make fun of ourselves, whether we're right or wrong at the end of the year. And that's our bold predictions. Oh, what could uh, go wrong? What, what, I'll, what we'll do um, is I'll go through and I'll give my three bold predictions for the upcoming year. And then, Anthony, I'll let you give yours uh, once I'm done. My first bold prediction for the 2023-2024 season is I think all five starters, and that's assuming that R.J. Davis, Cormac Ryan, Paxson Wojcik, Harrison Ingram, and Armando Baycott are the starting fives. I think all five starters average double-figure scoring. I love Mm. the way that this unit is built. I think they're going to be able to spread the floor better. I think Carolina has better shooters than it did a year ago. I think they got better cutters, better drivers, better passers. I think Carolina is going to be such improved um, offensively that we're, we're, we're really going to be in basketball heaven watching this team play on that end of the floor. My second bold prediction for the upcoming season is I think Carolina wins their first outright ACC regular season title since 2017. They shared it with Virginia back in 2019. And furthermore, I think Hubert Davis wins ACC Coach of the Year. Elliot Cadeau wins ACC Newcomer of the Year. And R.J. Davis wins ACC Player of the Year. Um, this is something that I value more than I value winning the ACC tournament um, because I think it says a, a lot more about what you do over the course of two and a half months as opposed to what you do during a week. And usually in a you know on, on on a neutral court where no one really cares that the ACC tournament's going on because Jim Phillips hates the league and has taken the, the tournament away from its rightful home in Greensboro, North Carolina. But um, I, it would mean a lot, I think, for Hubert Davis um, to win an ACC regular season title. And it would give something to this group, mainly R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, something they haven't done. They've won They've won some big games. They've played in, in, in big moments. They've never won an ACC regular season championship. I think that changes. And lastly... Because we finished, you know, the the true false segment with Carolina making the NCAA tournament. I not only think the Tar Heels return to the NCAA tournament. I often say boldly, if you win the ACC regular season title, um, that you you're you're in the conversation to win a national championship. I think Carolina earns a number one seed for the first time under Hubert Davis, and that only and and, and in their return to the tournament. They make their second Final Four under Huber Davis, their twenty their twenty second Final Four as a program. Um, I've been kind of very quiet about this. I haven't gone public with this um, just because I've been waiting for the season to kind of get here to put this out there. But I I, I love the build of this team, the, the the makeup of this team as much as I've had, even really since two thousand seventeen. 
I like this roster more than I liked it in 2018, 2019, when Carolina won an ACC regular season title with Virginia and made the Sweet 16. I think this team is talented. I think this team is experienced. I think they've got the right type of veteran leadership, the youthful uh, uh, presence there with Elliott Cadeau. Um, and I think they've got the right type of depth that you got to have in March. And so I think Carolina not only returns to the NCAA tournament, but returns so in a big way. Yeah, my first bold prediction uh, for this season, I have Elliot Cadeau uh, leading college basketball in assists per game. Now, I go with assists per game because I don't know how much he is going to play, um, especially early in the season. So I don't know if he'll lead uh, all of college basketball in total assists. But I think assists per game, we've talked about it so much. This guy reminds us of Kendall Marshall, um, Ed Coda. Those, I mean, those are some of the comparisons that have been brought up for this young man. I think that th- this, when, when he's able to get in there and really let loose as the season goes along, I think this dude's going to be freaking unstoppable passing the basketball. Um, it's, you know, kind of, I'm not going to say a lost art, but it's certainly not what it used to be it, for, for point guards to be great assist men. So I think uh, he will lead the sport. Uh, in assists per game this season. Uh, My second bold prediction, I have R.J. Davis winning ACC Player of the Year. I think the disrespect for R.J. Davis from the ACC media is just pathetic. I mean, I don't understand why people don't watch him and see a a great guard, one of the better guards in all of college basketball. Like, this dude should have probably been a first-team All-ACC member in the preseason. He didn't make a single one, either one of the teams. Um, I I think he's going to be motivated this year, especially coming off of last year. I think that, you know, some of the preseason stuff probably doesn't uh, doesn't hurt either. Um, And I also think that he's going to be more comfortable in his role this year. He's going to be controlling the offense a lot more than he has in years past. Um, I feel like with him being healthy this year, unlike he was at the end of last year, Uh, It's going to allow him to put together a complete season. And I truly believe this is a guy that can average 20 points per game and that could probably average about six, seven assists per game. Uh, And if he does that and if he, you know, shoots the ball the way that we've seen him shoot the ball and heard that he shot the ball in the secret scrimmage against Florida Atlantic, I think the sky's the limit. I know Kyle Filipowski is a really good player for Duke. I know Armando Baycott. Uh, on his own team is going to be a guy that he'll have to uh, you know, fight against for that title. But I really do think that at the end of the year, R.J. Davis will be the best player in the ACC this season. And I, too, believe that Carolina is going to, of course, return to the NCAA tournament. I think they probably return as a two-seed uh, possibly a three-seed. It really just depends on how many losses they have uh, in conference play during the regular season either way I think Carolina makes a final four run this year I really do feel like this is a team we've talked so much in years past about how you need veteran leaders 
on your team when you're trying to make runs deep into the NCAA tournament. And now, you know, you look at this past year, there's a newer element that I'm not saying you have to have this, but it's it shows that you are capable of making a run if you're this type of team. We saw last year teams that had a bunch of transfers on them make runs deep into the NCAA tournament. That's what Carolina's roster is built with this year. I think everything just meshes well together. I think Carolina is incredibly deep, as the, as deep as they've been in years. I think they have, you know, uh, the senior leaders that are going to be incredibly motivated, primarily the two that we talked about earlier, to leave a lasting legacy here. And look, even if they don't cut down the nets at the end of the season, I think in their minds, they'll probably be disappointed. But making it back to the Final Four and making it there two times in three years I think would be an amazing accomplishment, and I think Carolina gets it done at the end of this season. It would be a lot of fun. It would make for um, a lot more happy podcasts, a lot more uh, happy Josh, which I think everybody uh, loves and appreciates. And, um, you know, I, I, I think – it would it would feel really good for Hubert Davis because I I don't think he'll ever say anything publicly. I think he knows what's been said about him and what is being said about him, um, whether it's by podcast hosts or writers or just people that follow college basketball, even Tar Heel fans. I mean, we remember his introduction at live action. Not a lot of people were there to to, to clap for the head coach of Carolina basketball, which isn't something you've you've said really since uh, Coach Smith got got on the scene here. Um, and so I, you know, it would shut up all the critics, the doubters. Um, it would continue to validate Roy Williams's decision to effectively retire and make Hubert Davis the head coach of the program. And you know, there aren't many players that could say they went to multiple Final Fours for the Tar Heels, and that's something that Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis would have to the ledger. Um, and as we talked about, you know, earlier, this being their last season uh, at Carolina is going to be pretty emotional for us as fans. So, um, you know, the the thing is, is it all starts next Monday, and every season, uh, as Colin Hoggard has told us, is a journey. And hopefully this journey is one that leads us uh, to the Final Four in Phoenix, a place where the Tar Heels won their last national championship. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit our website, that's sealtoughblog.com, where it's the busy season for us with football and basketball uh, officially overlapping. Tar Heel football, another disappointment over the weekend with the loss at Georgia Tech. Anthony has you covered on that front. We'll be getting you ready for Campbell later in the week. As for basketball season, we're a week away. Um, Ashton has an article up about the five biggest questions that the program must answer uh, in the upcoming season. And before you know it, we'll be getting you ready with the first game preview against Radford a week from today. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us every major podcasting platform just simply search the four corners podcast and we will pop up we're there we encourage you guys to rate review and subscribe that way you don't miss edition of the show throughout the basketball season with that guys this is going to wrap up this edition of the show i do want to thank anthony for hosting with me we want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels